This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is presented by Hummel Casino. Fun above all else. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Coming up on a Friday, Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Save that. Save that. Friday, Ben and Woods, 97.3. The fan, great to be with you guys, talking some baseball, talking some uh, SDFC, but now we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Brett Boone joins us. We have not talked to Booney in a while, a podcaster extraordinaire these days, uh, just crushing it, got a lot of interesting guests coming on your, your podcast. You had Albert Bell on recently. First of all, welcome to the uh, program, good to have you back. Thanks. And Mark. second good of all, what are your thoughts on potato skins? Yeah, do you like appetizer? potato skins? Do you miss them? Because we really we, do. They don't, you don't get them on menus that often anymore. Well, I'm in a household right now with a bunch of young kids that are into that micro-macro. We got apps and we, we're... we're <coughs> They're counting their we're, macros? We're, yeah, we're, we're loading and then we're calorie deficit. Okay. So potato skins, I don't know where they rank on that. Not on that good. App. Probably not great. Not yeah, right, good at are you, all. Are you asking strictly from a taste, taste. standpoint? Yeah, just do taste. I like potato yeah, skins? Do you like yeah, potato absolutely. skins? Okay, do you good. miss them a little I don't, bit? I just don't see them anymore. We're just, we, you don't. you got to go to like Applebee's. Yeah, like, I mean, Fridays. there's no more TGI Fridays in San Diego or Arizona. We were looking. They're gone. Ben, ben you got you to search. you got to dig. Yeah. yeah, right. You got. You might get on a plane. <laughs> I don't even have them in skins. Right. How old are your kids now, Booney? Uh, which how many? Which ones? How many do you have? How many do you have? Can you remember? Married about a year ago. I've got so I've got three stepdaughters. Okay, and then my four kids. I got Savannah, who's getting married in about three weeks. You like the guy? Pretty here's cool. the story. He's a outstanding guy. Booney. He's short stuff for the A's. <laughs> Nick Allen. No kidding. Yes. All right. So they're play. getting married November tenth. <laughs> really good. Really good kid. Uh, really good kid. Great family. I'm. Uh, I, I couldn't ask for more. Excellent. So that's that's going to be cool. Um, Jacob just turned 24. He's playing independent baseball. Just came back from his second year there in Chicago. I got twin boys that are 19, and then, like I said, the three-step girls. It's the Booney Bunch. I mean, you it, get, it, really it really is. is. Yeah. It really is. It, and they're all coming and going at different times. Jake plays his minor league season, so he's gone for the summer. He comes back for the winter. Uh, I've got... Why isn't this a reality show yet? One, yeah, for real. One, one of the boys and one of the stepgirls are at Santa Barbara going to school. One of the twins is at home with me. Um, we, my, my wife's youngest daughter is 16. She's at Torrey Pines High School. Perfect. Yep. And who am I missing? This is better than Vanderpump. We, we got, can, we we got can, everybody. I mean, yeah, cameras we, we got them all, everyone, and, and this would be great. They're coming in and out. And it's like a madhouse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and the five-year-old is growing, and now he wants to eat every... 30 minutes or so? Dad, I'm hungry again. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. And I told my wife last night, I go, when they turn like 14, he turns like 14, and he's 
playing sports and well, his he, body's he, he, he dead. Gonna, and he ain't going to want to hang out with you anymore. Exactly. You're done. You're I know. Done. Enjoy my these times. Enjoy these times. Right, you know, my teenage, they eat cereal out of mixing bowls. Now. <laughs> it's like one bowl is not enough. Just like pour it into a giant mixing bowl now, and eat it. Julio has chimed in on the uh, potato skins. Yeah. We've been trying to find good ones here in San Diego. He says Texas Roadhouse has some good oh, ones. That does not surprise me. That doesn't me. shock me at I all. Am, I am all the way in. Well, Booney, so uh, your, your boys playing baseball has got to be pretty fun for you. Do they... Do they listen to you? Do they come to you for advice, or are you still just dad that doesn't know anything? Well, the nineteen—they're done. The nineteen-year-olds are done, so they—they they didn't listen when they were playing. They don't listen now. <laughs> but, uh, Jacobs, you know, been my guy. He went to—he went to uh, well in the baseball aspect. So he went to—you know—we went to Princeton, played baseball there, uh, signed with the Washington Nationals. A couple years later, now he's playing for the. The Windy City Thunderbolts, which is in the frontier, they actually a pretty good league. Um, he is. How do I explain him? Much different than his dad. We're, we're oil and water. He's just an intellect, uh, very smart, very poised, um, and he's learned a lot. But we have good conversations, but we have an understanding. It's not one of those where I'm, you know, I'll watch his all his games. You got the you download the app yeah. and you can watch all his games. And I definitely got some opinions, but I also do respect it. Sometimes you got to reflect back and realize how hard this game is. Because I'll sit there and watch his game and go, how could you, how could, you know, and it's and like, miss that pitch. you know, I forget, <laughs> I forget, man, this is really hard. And, and now I, can't, I put myself, I try to put myself into his, his shoes at the time. Of course, he doesn't want to swing at that, you know, of course. And I wait for him. And when he calls me, he'll call me once in a while and he'll say, Dad, you know, what do you think about this situation? What would you have done differently? Now the dialogue's open and I'll fill him in, but I don't have that relationship. I'm not that dad that, what are you thinking about? The, you know, I, I stay away. When, when things are tough, I realize this game is tough and I let him be. That's fantastic. Um, but I really, I, I look forward to those nights where I get a phone call and just say, Dad, I just need five minutes. What do you think about this? What would you have done in this situation? What did I do wrong? All right, you ready to, for some some positive critique? Sure. And then we'll talk the game. We'll talk it through. So we have a really, really good relationship, and I'm really hands-off as I can be because that's how my dad was with me, especially growing up. I mean, there was no pressure whatsoever put on me. Uh, there was a healthy respect and a respect for the game because I mean, when I was in the minor leagues, my dad was still in the big leagues. Wow, that's so, good for parents to hear, honestly, yeah. and myself included. And and I think my dad taught me how to behave and and how to act as a parent when you're when you're mentoring a young athlete because uh, to play at the highest level, it, it's the guys that got to do it, the guys that had careers doing it. We, I think we kind of took it for granted once we got there, and and I don't mean in a in an arrogant way. Uh, but it's just, no, this is what I do. And, yeah, I just play in the big leagues for 15 years, and then I move on. But then looking back, wow, that was really hard. And and remembering those hard times and those times where you're just, you know, you're looking at the ceiling like, I can't hit. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't <laughs> hit. And a week later, man, I can hit. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a, a fun ride. He's, you know, he's going he's gonna to go back and, and crank it up again and see. you got to get to a point. As a minor leaguer, there's a getting off point. First of all, everybody's going to stop wearing that uniform one day. Sometimes they take it away from you, and sometimes you make that decision. But it, but it's in your time. 
you know, and and everybody's goal is to go play 10 years in the big leagues, and some guys get to do that. Some guys get to play 18, 19 years in the big leagues, and some guys get to go to double A, and yeah, here's your get here. We're going to take your uniform away from you, so you're going to have to go to the real world. But uh, it's been a fun ride, and and uh, you wait for that point where it just clicks, where that plays. I'll sit there and I'll watch a minor league game, and I'll watch these kids, and I'll say, that swing plays at the highest level. That footwork plays at the highest level. And then you'll watch four or five games in a row. That doesn't play. So we've got to find a way to get that consistently where we can repeat that. You're going to go ups and downs with your swing, but you've got to be able to repeat it to play at the highest level because certain certain moves don't work. And, and, and that's, that's the one thing as an ex-player I see. It's pretty easy for me to see. I can just put my eyes on it for a minute and go, that, no, that doesn't work. It doesn't work in the big leagues. You'll be too exposed. Maybe at a lower level but not in the big leagues. And the goal of every minor league player is it's great you're playing in the minor leagues, but the minor leagues is BS. It's it's where you where you learn your craft. But we don't play, we don't aspire to be minor leaguers. There's no future there. So you, you go to the minor leagues and you decide, am I good enough? Can I be a big leaguer? These are the training grounds. But as far as that minor league career, yeah, it's great. It's fun stories. But at the end of the day, it's not going to pay the bills. So, yeah, for sure. You know, it's it, it's an interesting process, and do it's fun going through. Any of it. those moments, like, where did you have any of those moments? You're like, I don't know if I can do this. Never. It's <laughs> <laughs> my guy right there. I'll tell you, and it's but that happens, right? Sure, <laughs> not to him, <laughs> not to you. <laughs> it it is the mo- the most. I, I had those those humbling moments later. As an as a mature adult, but when I was a kid, I mean, you talk about blind confidence. You never had any other plan other oh, than I, I I'm going to be a big you, leaguer. I would look at you dead in the eye at 16 years old and say, "Why are you wasting my time with these classes?" And <laughs> what's you your know plan? what I'm doing, Son, right? What's your plan if baseball right. doesn't and, and work you know, out that, for that, you? You had no other plan. I had no other plan. <laughs> so it really I, I, is. It wasn't even. <laughs> If you ever even questioned a backup plan, I would be pretty offended. Like, yeah. do you know who you're talking to? I'm going to make it. I've already played. I played it out in my mind. It's already done. Now, Don't I get, to, to, I get to the big leagues, and it was like, <laughs> my first bat, of course, what am I going to do? I'm telling people on the plane what I'm going to do. I'm like 12. <laughs> I look like I'm 12 years old. I'm in first class. I remember I got called up, and I'm in first class for the first time. You know, I'm... I'm 22, but I look really young. And I've got some businessmen up front, and they're like, where are you headed, kid? So I'm going to Baltimore. You know, I've got the chest pumped out. You know, I, got a, I got some jacket that, that, that I borrowed because I don't wear, you know, you don't wear suits when you're, right. when, you're, <laughs> when you're that young. And I said, I'm going to the big leagues. And he goes, no, really, where are you going? I said, no, I'm going to Baltimore, making my debut today. I said, you want to go to the game? He goes, I can't go to the game, but I'll be watching. What are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but something's going to be hit really hard. That's freaking Somewhere in my first at bat, I'm knocking a ribby. I get to first base. I, th- I think it was Randy Milligan. He's at first. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to play it cool. Right. Inside, I'm exploding. But outside, I got that. Yeah, of course I did this. Of course I did. And he goes, kid, he goes, congratulations. You know, they get your first ball. And he said, 2,999 to go. And very humbly, I said, well, thank you, Mr. Milligan. And inside, I'm going. This guy, no, I'm going to get way more hits than that. 
So it really is Crash Davis and fear and arrogance. That's really the secret. How about this? Two months later, I remember I'm sitting in my locker and a buddy, Mike Blowers, who'd kind of been a journeyman at that time. He's four or five years older than me. He's been there, done that call-up game. And we're sitting in my locker. We got the like the scrub lockers. They like bring out. This is in the kingdom. They bring out the extra lockers because there's not enough room in the clubhouse for beyond the 25 man. And so they're kind of makeshift lockers in the corner. And I'm sitting there with Mike, and I'm looking at him. We're having a beer, and I look at him. I said, "Big leagues, it's really hard." And he looked at me. He goes, "Well, I, I, I probably can't say it on the radio, but you know what I'm saying? No, no yes, s, yes. Yeah. no s." And and I was like, I'm hitting 197, and I go I go into the off season. And I'm like, big leagues is freaking different than the minor leagues, and you make adjustments and you go on. So, all these experiences I had, I had wow moments. 1994, I hit 320. I'm like fourth in the league in hitting, and the game's easy again. Of course, this is what I'm doing. Now, fast forward to 1997, and I'm having those moments all year where I'm I'm playing as good a defense I've ever played in my life. But offensively, I am I'm getting exposed, so I've got to go to the drawing board and revamp my swing. So yeah, I had different stages in my career where I look back at that 22 year old and said, "Man, I had no clue," and he had a lot to learn. And then I get to you know my years in Seattle where I'm having big years, and I and I look back at that 25 year old and go, you know, "He had a lot to learn." And then I get to the end of my career and go, "That tw- that 31 year old that was killing it, he had no clue." Uh, so, so f- for my life, it's been such a fun journey. So many ups and downs, uh, but a a lot of humbling times, a lot of great times. But it just you laugh at your younger self because you just not don't know. And the one thing I appreciate, and and it is funny when I when people that knew me back then or or I explained the way I was, I think that for me was a tool that that helped me make it. Sure. If I would have had a clue and and known how hard and wouldn't been so naive, who knows what would have happened. It's a good but point. But that blind naivety, if yeah. that's a word, I think it helped me. It helped get you When there. I see a young player, you know, in the minor leagues, and I see that guy with that, you know, and everyone will usually call him, oh, he's cocky, he's this and that. But I can look into his eyes. If you be- If you really believe it, it's true. That's awesome. And I see those guys that fake it, too. You know, the number one pick that's 6'3 and strapping and can run and has got huge bat speed and a cannon. But I can look into his eyes, and sometimes he doesn't believe what it, what he's, what's Probably coming out. crying himself to sleep at what's night. What's coming you know out what of it. You know, everybody's yeah. told him how great how he is great his he whole is. life. But if you don't believe it, it doesn't matter. Oh, and then that, li- that young guy, that Pedroia-type guy that doesn't fit the mold and pencil out as that superstar... But it's, look at the career he's had. And, and I use Pedroia as just a, a, an example. There's a ton of them. But he's a baseball player. And he doesn't pencil out, you know, top of the charts. But I look in his eyes and I go, that man's a baseball player. I want him on my team. Big leaguer. So it's uh, it's a really interesting process, but fascinating. That's awesome. Take a quick time out. Uh, we're talking to Brett Boone in studio here for the rest of the show. We've barely gotten started. I can do this all day. I'm, I'm not dying kidding. to find out. He, he just gave us his first hit story, and he was on the plane to the first game. He didn't tell us, though, how he got the call. We see all these videos nowadays of, you know, guy the minor league manager says, hey, you got called up to the big leagues, and there's tears, and they're crying. I, the way you talk, I, you probably you probably 
were expecting that call. Oh, it was oh, like yeah. about time. About time, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's taking you guys so long? I'm finally coming up. So we're going to talk more. Get into the playoffs with Brett Boone. Uh, when we come back after a quick check of traffic, it's Bennett Woods here on 97.3 The Fan. Brett Boone in studio with Ben and Woods, uh, wrapping up the week on a Friday. And we were just learning about catching up with, with Brett's family. Didn't ask about Brother Aaron, who obviously a tough season with the Yankees. I know that you try to stay out of his business. You've told us that not that much, but he's back. That's not, that's, now that's different Yankees baseball when you have a disappointing season like that, but uh, the manager gets to come back. That was not how it worked under the boss. George Steinbrenner, how's uh, how's Aaron doing? Aaron's doing good. I talked to him the other day. Uh, I laugh at the the whole thing. I, you understand when when you take that position as coveted as as it is, uh, the Yankees. It's not. It's just not another franchise. It's the Yankees, and and I think all parties. And when you go into it and, and you sign that contract, you know what you're getting into. And if it's not for the faint of heart, and if you you're going to be criticized no matter what. I take this. This year, for instance, I, I think since Aaron's been there, he's won 100 games four times. Uh, n- haven't gone to the World Series and won a World Series. This year, I mean, they acted like they went 60 and 100. <laughs> they went 82 and 80. Same with the Padres. Same as the Padres. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was the sky was falling. And I get it. But at the same time, I knew... You know, now I go into baseball. I I never take the brother aspect into it. You know that I really you can't do that when you're in this game. In in my capacity, when you when you're analyzing, you've got to be as non biased as you can be. So I always take the brother hat off. You're probably say, harder on your brother than the normal oh, analyst yeah, would and, be. And, and, and stuff I wouldn't share that I will call Aaron and and have have a like you you, you realize by doing this, you know. But you know, but that's for me and him. And then the brother hat's on, and we're we're debating because we have good debates. I mean, I, I there's. Can I come over for Thanksgiving? Because I want to hear some <laughs> I, of these I, I, I respect Aaron's baseball intellect sure. very much. And there's there's a few people in my life that, from a baseball capacity, can hold my attention in a room when we can talk the game without going to talking points and BS. Really talk the game at a high level. Let's talk hitting at a high level. The ment- let's, let's get it up there and what we're looking for. And, and, and we can incorporate analytics and, and whatever you want to do, but... Being just an analyst looking at this Yankee team this year, what they went through, and I and I and I went through it. I said Severino is supposed to be a big part of this thing. He he was healthy like half the year, yep. and he and he had a seven ERA because he ha- he hasn't been healthy for three or four years. You make the big off off season acquisition in Rodon. He pitches two months and he's awful, terrible. Uh you know 
Cole was the he, he's the, the constant at the top of the rotation. Nestor Cortez missed three and a half months. Um, you go into their bullpen. They no, had don't some... forget Herman Marquez. Yeah, Herman Marquez. <laughs> uh, yeah, in rehab yeah. and Luizica, who's a big part of that bullpen. They ended up having that was the one positive about the Yankees this year. They had a big power bullpen. And and they're known for that. But then you go to Rizzo, who had the concussion and missed the last two months of the season. Judge runs into a wall in L.A., misses two months. Uh, Stanton hits 190. Would have taken a, a, a miracle to make the playoffs. It was a miracle almost to give him. Right. Record DJ LeMahieu is <clears throat> maybe on the little older side. He wasn't that DJ LeMahieu we're used to. Donaldson, he's, he's, at the, he's at the end, and he was hurt most of the time. Uh, their, their catcher, who was a platinum glove catcher in 22, <clears throat> misses a good chunk. Bader goes down. They they trade him at the trading deadline. Um, there were so many things. Aaron Hicks <clears throat> didn't do anything. He moves on to Baltimore and actually had a nice finish for for Aaron. But all these things, and then you think Aaron Boone's the worst manager in the world. And I and I look at it. I said, <laughs> if you truly now, I'm all for critiquing people, and sometimes somebody's got to be fired. You can't fire all the players. And I understand when there needs to be a culture change or you lose the clubhouse and and the respect isn't there and the players aren't on board with you anymore. I understand you move on and it might not be your fault. It, this happens. You get hired in this game to get fired. But when it, all the rhetoric was going on in New York, you know, that's New York. New it's York. the, hey, yeah, we don't care. We, we win World Series. That's like, a it's good not New York 19, accent, by the it's way. It's not 1955. <laughs> Okay, the game is different. Finances are different. Other teams are getting really good, too. Other teams are getting really good. And smart. You know, it's like when I went to USC uh, as a baseball player. It's a great place. You know, it's the Pac-6, and they have a treasured history. With Ron Dato, he won, what, 20 national championships? Well, it's not 1947. SC, you don't just roll over every... There's other really good teams. The SEC's really good. So you got to get into 2023 and lose that mentality of we win the World Series or bust. They've got to realize how special that group of players they had in the 90s that won four rings. That's unprecedented. What Bruce Bochy did in San Francisco to go 10, 12, and 14 and win three World Series, that's... That's unicorn stuff. Astros on the cusp of, of doing some stuff like That's that. That's unicorn yeah. stuff. You really appreciate because you know, as a player, it is so hard not to not just to get to the World Series, but to win a World Series. And I've been through it, and I've been chasing it. And I remember 1995, I went to the playoffs for the first time with the Reds, beat the Dodgers in the first round, got eliminated by the Braves. Wait, Dodgers lost in the first round of the I'm playoffs? Shocked. Wow. Oh, whooped their butt. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and I thought to myself as a young player, well, I'm going to go back. I'll to be the, here all the time. All the time. All and, the time. And I'll get several rings. And then I look back at my career, and, and as much great times I got to have and, and postseason experiences, like, wow, it's hard to win a World Series. It is so hard. So back, I'm getting off track a little bit. It's like, look at Aaron, and if you if you honestly want to have a, 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 a baseball conversation, if you say Aaron Boone's the worst and he stinks and he doesn't know anything, you have no clue what you're talking about. Sure. You can't. I will not allow you to have a conversation with me because you can't talk honest baseball without a bias in there. I talk to Aaron all the time, and I said, dude, 
why wouldn't you want you got to be on the hot seat that's all i'd ever want i want to be in that pressure cooker at all time if you win one world series in new york you got the key to that city the rest of your you're life you're goaded for the rest and of in your the life. meantime you're going to get beaten down on a daily basis that's what it's all about and you get up and you keep going and you realize it is what it is and they expect a lot and and i love that from a fan base i love and as much as i was doing the accent i love new york I loved going to play the Yankees. I love walking down the street in New York and everybody from across the street telling me how much I suck. Yeah, go after And they're going to kick my ass tonight. Yeah. But they're doing it with a wry smile because they're such passionate baseball fans. They do want to kick your butt. She had good play. Well, and you kick their butt, and they will give you props. It's one of the coolest places to go. I don't know if I could live there. But for, for, for during my career, just that East Coast, going to Philly, going to New York, going to Boston, it's just a different animal, and it's and it's every player that that should be what you play this game for. So we're going to, going to go to break here, but I want to keep that same convo going. But I want uh, to talk about conversely, Bob Melvin, who didn't have a lot of those injuries, who didn't have, who had really good pitching. You know, the bullpen suffered. But the hitters, man, the, the top of the lineup, the guys that, that really never got it going uh, all year long. I want to talk about the job you think he did. I want to talk about the future of the Padres uh, and all that, because I know you're dialed in uh, to that stuff as well. Brett Boone's with us here live in studio talking baseball. I'm having a blast so far. This is awesome. More, more next on yeah, San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. At OXO, there's a recipe for innovation. We create products that put a new spin on form and function. Add a small measure of convenience, appeal of comfort, and just a pop of freshness. Because no matter what you're making, we want to make it better. OXO. Better. Guaranteed. Let's making dreams come true uh, in here this morning. That was very cool. Ben yeah. and Woods, uh, 97.3, the fan joined by Brett Boone in the studio. One of my best friends, John Fenwick, uh, lives in Wichita, Kansas. Went to school together and... Uh, he grew up a huge Amos fan, a huge Brett Boone fan, so I FaceTimed him real quick. <laughs> and he was like working at his restaurant. He's like, sorry, dude, I couldn't answer my phone. FaceTimes, I go, look who's here. He goes, no way. And he goes, you should have been the MVP, man. Like, he's still <laughs> still sticking with him. So thanks for doing that. Very cool. Uh, very Booney. Cool. He was very excited about that. Woods, you just mentioned uh, he wanted to ask uh, Brett about Bob Melvin. He, he played for Bob, but a different Bob Melvin. Mm-hmm. Like, his first season as a manager back with the M's, Way back when, when he's barely out of being a player, just a few years yeah. uh, since he had been a player. Now, you know, with you know seasoning and twenty years under his belt as a skipper, 
Definitely want to get into your thoughts of what, what went on with him and the Padres this season. We'll do that after a quick check of traffic here on 97.3 The Fan. Yep. In studio with some baseball royalty, Brett Bowen is with us here on a Friday on Ben and Woods. We're and, just chopping it up, man, trying to figure yeah. it out. Trying to figure it all out. It's not easy to do. It's always interesting. I mean, we watch a ton of baseball, but getting a you know a former player's perspective, it's always a little bit different. Some, some of it confirms what we thought, and uh, sometimes it's like, oh, that's not how I would have looked at it, but I can see how... Obviously, when you're doing it every day, it's different. You know, it's like someone talking to us about radio. People oh, listen they, to our show. They, they have love, thoughts on our show. They love and, to tell yeah. me what I'm doing wrong uh, with 13 years under my belt, for almost 14 <laughs> years under my belt. But there's theory, and then there's the reality. That's right. That's right. And I'm I'm down to hear like that. But holy smokes, like sometimes it's it's a little bit out of pocket. And I, I think baseball. I've said this before, Brett, and maybe you agree. I don't know of another sport. That has more fans that think they know more than a manager, a general manager, an owner even, or and, and a player, too. I, I always make the joke on Twitter. I did it last night. Hunter Brown was pitching for the uh, the Astros. And I was in a Twitter debate with a guy. And his whole thing to me was, well, look, man. I mean, these guys, they, they're swinging for the fences too much. You hear that a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a good point. <laughs> the, the, in football, you get people know, oh, they should have called a timeout there. Sure. But you never hear a football fan. Oh, go, you got to run a post. I can't believe they went with that blocking scheme right. on that play. Right. There's, there's so much more, and fans never talk a- about everybody, those things. Everybody, and, and I'm not... I'm going to call this guy out. He's, he's a truck driver. And he was telling me on Twitter, look, they need to go the other way like Tony Gwynn did. And I said, for the love of God, you got to stop using Tony Gwynn as somebody that you can emulate because Tony Gwynn was one of the five best hitters <laughs> in the history of the game of baseball, right? Mm-hmm. And Hunter Brown throwing 100 miles an hour, and I tweeted, like, guys, it's simple. Just go down, the, just go the other way. It's not. It's not easy. I had another guy say, well, the velo does the work. You just got to get the bat on the ball. And I'm like, <laughs> go to Boomers in Vista. Put a quarter in the machine. Put it on 65. And just you start serving balls to right field, it's just and not that easy. And then add 35 miles And then an add, add 35 to it. It's just not that easy, man. It's just not. Of course it is. It's <laughs> simple. Well, for, for you. For Brett it was. For you it was. Uh, uh, okay. I, like anybody else, I sit on my couch and occasionally yell at the TV. <laughs> but then I catch myself and say, I'm glad there's not a camera in this room because it would be humiliating. Um. Fans are fans, man. And I, I've i learned to appreciate fans. And instead of getting outside the bubble and yelling at talk radio, because, yeah, in a, in a logical sense, in the way it really is versus what a fan that calls in to talk radio is night and day. It's nothing. It's But fans are what make this world go around. Sure. The debate. The silly debate sometimes. The maddening, infuriating debate. The, they go the other way, <laughs> swinging for the fences. Just be like Tony He's Lynn. trying to throw too hard. As much as that seems to my brain, like, at least get the terminology right. Then I click into, this is what makes the game so awesome. is because fans are so passionate that they're going to take time to call this radio show to yell at somebody on the other end about how their favorite team didn't do what they wanted them to do. <laughs> and so instead of getting angry... All right, it's my mindset. I'm the problem. All instead right, of fine. getting angry, my mindset me and saying, you're so, stu- <laughs> you're so stupid, fan, <laughs> I think 
I just get a smile and say, this is why I got to play this game in front of 55,000 people all the time. Because these crazy fans love this game so much, want their team to do good so much. And what will we do without them? That's true. That's so, true. so I embrace it now instead of, you don't know what you're talking Of course you don't know what you're talking about. But who cares? <laughs> you know, it, it's like, you're the reason I get to play this game. That's true. And, and have these moments. Healthy perspective. It's because of you. And you have every right to have a, any opinion you want, no matter how much uneducated it is. Right. You know? Yeah. It would be like, right, it would be like... Oh, I don't. I don't. I'm a scenario. It's just me going into a, uh, a an upper division master's class at Harvard and telling that professor he don't know what the hell he's talking. about. Yeah, you don't know. When you come to but... physics, let me tell you about physics. <laughs> now I can talk about it and pretend that I'm really smart in a layman's way, right? So, so to not make myself vulnerable. You know, I'm not going to get into theory with you because then you can maybe call me out. But if I just keep it blanket. I can come across as, hey, he's pretty smart without taking this class. But baseball, it's just, and, and sports in general, I, I embrace it now. Like, these fans have every right to, to spew whatever they want because they're the ones that get go to the games, get on a flight, buy a ticket, and go to a postseason game and yell for me. And and sometimes when I don't when I don't get a hit, they yell at me. But when I do, they're so happy. It, they yell what's, for you. It's what makes this game so great. It's what makes East Coast baseball. You know, I touched on that earlier. Going to Boston, going to New York, going to Philly. Aren't they, aren't they, have them calling me, I stink, and they're going to kick my ass. Isn't it too irrational, though, sometimes? Can it be too irrational? Some, like, I, you think well, about... Sure, sure, when you get real, like, real anger, I mean, to the point where you're kind of scared and you want to hang up on them, like, sure. this guy's going a little over the edge. Yes, there's, there's a time, there's no reason for that, but just the passionate guy that calls up and he just wants his team to do, do so well. Uh, I think that's just being a, a, a real big-time fan. Sure. And we need... What would we do without those guys? If we just cut everybody off that doesn't know anything about the sport and can't talk on a high-level baseball, how many guys are going to come to my game? It's true. I'm going to be playing by myself. It's true. In studio with Brett Boone, and I, I love this because Brett's in for the last two hours, so I feel like we can take our time with everything. But we got like an hour and 15 minutes left, and I'm worried we're still not going to get to everything because there's so much to talk about. So it's my fan opinion, and I'm no more than a baseball fan. I don't, I don't know anything more than anybody else. But it's my fan opinion that Bob Melvin is a good modern baseball manager. He's smart. He's steady. He's a good communicator. He's willing to mix a little bit of the new school uh, of analytics with the old school of you know baseball that he grew up playing, you know he's got perspective as a former player. I've liked Bob Melvin as a manager. I obviously didn't like the results of this team though, of you know spending two hundred and fifty million dollars on payroll and only winning eighty two games and having to go on a huge run at the end of the season just to get there. You played for Bob. You've seen him evolve over the years, Brett. What are what are your kind of thoughts on Bob Melvin as a skipper? I th- I think. Uh... The words you use to describe him are accurate. He is very steady. He's a calming influence, and he was as a rookie manager. Uh, he came to Seattle in, in 2003, and he was taken over for, you know, he was filling big shoes. He was taking over. Those teams in 01 and 02 were really good, and they were under Lou Pinella's tutelage. <laughs> he had big shoes to fill as a rookie manager, and he kind of looking at me some days like, Booney, you know, <laughs> give me the ins and outs, because I'd been in Seattle for a few years. I really enjoyed Bob. I thought he was a great 
uh, he had just a way about him. He doesn't put you off. He doesn't put anybody off. And there are so many different personalities in that clubhouse on any given year. It's tough to find a guy that can mesh with all of them and get the best out of each individual. Uh, Bob seemed to have that way. Like, nobody, you ever walk into a room and go, I don't like that guy. Why? Do you know him? No. I don't like the cut of his jib. Yeah, yeah, I don't don't like it. And then come to find out, you know, weeks, years, conversation later, man, I really like that guy. Sure. We've all done it. We've all done it. Yeah. But then there's some people that you walk in the room and go, I like that guy. He just got that it factor. Bob had that, like, you couldn't dislike him in the room. So he always had that, and that's a skill. I think you're born with that. You know, it's not something that everybody has, the likability factor. Bob has that. I had him as a rookie. I think he did a great job in Seattle. Obviously, his career kind of speaks for itself, the accolades he's accumulated along the way. And I thought it was a perfect fit, him coming into this Padre uh, position. I don't blame Bob Melvin for what happened this year. But as a as a guy that looks at the numbers, looks at teams, and tries to say why this should work and why this shouldn't work, I followed the Padres all year, you know, because I live here, and then I have a relationship with the Padres. But I just thought going into the season, wow, what a season this could be. The the last few years have been exciting. That build up, like, all right, Padres are becoming relevant again. We've arrived. They're going to take you know the the Dodgers, kind of. They weren't the Dodgers of 22. The Turners are gone, and <clears throat> and Walker Bueller's not going to pitch for an entire season. You lose May, you lose Gonsolin. And I thought, this is a perfect time for the Padres, really, to sort of the top. Look at who they got. They went out and they got Bogarts. They got Soto. They've got Tatis coming off, you know, some controversies. Let's, sure. To, to, be, to be nice about it. Um, Machado, you know, is this time, you know, Machado's always been a great player. But it's almost like now he was the veteran steadying presence, and he's a grown-up now. All these parts at the beginning of the season look perfect. Like, this is a this is the storm right here. Pitching, I, that's the only thing I was concerned about when I looked at it. I said, yeah, pitching's good. Musgrove's a horse. Hugh uh, Darvish has had such a great career, but he's getting a little older. You know, how is this all going to mesh? <laughs> that was the least of their worries. Yeah. I look at the numbers at the end of the season. Padres top top of the league all year from a pitching standpoint. I didn't expect that. And I thought, which I'm always a pitching guy first. You give me great pitchers on the hill. Uh, give me a triple-A offense, and we'll find a way to win some games. Because pitching is always going to trump hitting. And their defense was really good. And their defense, defense was, was tremendous. Yeah. You know, Kim came into his own and became kind of a cold hero in in. In uh, San Diego, I went to a few games. He he did a great job for him, and he's been the it's the incredible. swing guy that's just happy to play anywhere. He gets but a bigger plays, ovation than any other player, yeah. on the without team. a yeah, doubt. It's amazing. <laughs> and he did a, he does a great job at wherever he wherever he's played. He plays at a high level defensively, but he kind of came into his own, had a great year for himself. So I'm racking my brain all year. What is wrong? Why can't I figure out this puzzle? Why are they losing the division by 20 games? It doesn't. It's it's like a unicorn scenario. So of course I got to go into the weeds. I think well let's let's get some conspiracies going on here. No, but but it makes sense. You get a okay. You get a young Fernando Tatis. For me, one of the biggest talents in baseball from a talent perspective. And I'm talking I'm talking a Robert Acuna yeah. type of talent. Yeah. 
uh, can do it all, and you know a young Alex Rodriguez, that type of talent. They don't come along too often. So he gets popped. He rides the motorcycle. He gets hurt. He gets suspended for a year. He's kind of on his best behavior, and we talked about it off air, Woodsy. Is he comes back to the team kind of tail, you know, hat in hand? Yeah, it's like. Man, I got to get on. I got to get it right. Right. I've got some amends to make. Not only and and the only thing, the most important thing is, you're good with your guys that that go to battle every night. Those 26 guys in the room are the most important. If they've got your back and you're good with one another, uh, the rest will work itself out. But he comes back and he's told right away, yeah, you're a young star, 22 year old, just signed the biggest deal in probably Padres history, uh, shortstop. Oh yeah, you're going to go play right field. Well, okay, all this stuff I've gone through, I, I better say yes and, and mind my P's and Q's. He goes and plays right field, plays a great right field. But then you get into a Cronenworth situation. Great young second baseman up and coming. Uh, Crony, we need you to play first. Kim's happy because he's kind of a swing guy. He'll play wherever he's, and he's going to be happy, and he thrived in that role. You bring a Bogarts over from, from Boston who's been a perennial all-star uh, performer, you know, had a rough beginning, kind of finished strong. Yeah, and then Manny Machado, had a rough middle. Yeah, yeah and, middle and, and Manny, rough. Manny, who was kind of banged up here yep. and there, but for his time played this year, kind of had a Manny esque year. Uh, go to center field again, and that's the thing I see. How 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 long can you let a guy in center field hit one ninety something? And and it's not an issue. Plays a great defense. But for me, you've got to move on. It's not acceptable to have somebody in the lineup that hurts the lineup that much. Anyway, that's for another day. Uh, but I looked at all these things, and I thought, is there a problem there? Yes, there is. As middle infielders, and as especially young middle infielders, there is an ego that comes with being a star shortstop, a star second baseman. That are Those are premier positions. Short, second, center field. Shortstop being the most talented in the bunch. Always have been, always will be. Shortstop can play anywhere on the, on the field and play it probably at a high level because they're so skilled. And all of a sudden, you're telling this young star player that you're going to go play right field. Well, if I was told as a young player you're going to go play left field... <laughs> I would be like, don't you realize I'm a gold glove second baseman? And, and they don't grow on trees? Once again, that naivety that yeah. I had as a young player. But it's real It's real life stuff that affects clubhouses. Nobody talked about Cronenworth all year, just sliding over to first. They just figured, oh, he's happy to do that. Did anyone ask him if he's happy to do that? Is this a is this a outlandish thought that I think myself, guilty as charged, and I think other fans uh, feel the same way? Once you get your 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 back, your long term contract, this is the team you're going to be with for a while. And we've got several of those guys locked up. Shouldn't shouldn't in a perfect world the ego go away and say, whatever you need me to do to win a World Series, I will do. I know it's not. I know that's pie in the sky. I think some teams have embraced that. I don't think the Padres have. That's why it comes down to when you give money, when you, when you sign long-term contracts, there's more the, to it than talent. Right. Who am I giving this to? And, 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 and how is he going to bring out the best in my organization that's paying him a lot of money? Uh, yeah, in a perfect world, of course. Of course. Give me my money. And, I'll but, do whatever you need. But in my day, and the money, <laughs> the money isn't what it is today. Sure. But I remember my last contract. I signed a long-term uh, four- or five-year deal. For good money, 
and I remember, you know, the press just when there when there was downtime and we were all bored. Hey, Brett, isn't it awesome every two weeks those checks you get? And to be honest with you, at the time, I thought, you know what? I'm I'm one for 12 right now, and we've just lost three or four. I could care less about that check. Sure. Now, one day, I'm going to be thankful. But right now, really, I don't care. It's not about that. It's all about the personality and the person getting the money. I've played with teammates that sign this big deal, and they mail it in. It's like, <sighs> I got my money. Wow. And wow. I've, and I've mm. played with teammates that signed that big deal, and it didn't change them one, one iota. Bit. They're coming to the yard to kick your butt every night. So it's up to the individual, and it, it's... It, it, it's so individualistic. All right, we're going to break. That was awesome. We got another just hour. I, I mean, we just talked about managers. We haven't even gotten into Bruce Bochy, another of your uh, former skippers that you know really well. Got his team on the cusp, but in a little bit of trouble now in the ALCS. Uh, Paulie's got some headlines. Going to do a quick Rindle report with Brett as well. Brett Boone in studio with Bennett Woods here on 97.3 The Fan.